0: Megan and Tierney, and guest will make three, Goddamn army, MASH Minute. Welcome back to MASH Minute, where we analyze the 1970 Robert Altman film and end up talking about the TV show, one minute at a time. I'm Megan Coleman. I'm Tierney Steele.
1: And I'm Jeff Ferry from Slycast, the Sylvester Stallone podcast.
0: You're one of those two? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hyphen it, <laughs> Jeff. How many pod? How long do I need to keep you on the show for? That's it. I scheduled this. Yeah, out. that's all I
1: got. I, I'm done.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you can start another one before tomorrow. Even
1: that, even that one is stretching it a little bit. I haven't appeared on that one for like the last six months.
0: <laughs> There's no such thing. All podcasts are fine. Today I'm going to be on the podcast Match Minute, and we are going to talk about Minute Thirty. It starts with Trapper reading the chart of Frank Burns's. Deceased patient. And it ends with Henry Blake handing a pile of used surgical masks to (laughs) Vulner. Oh, baby girl. Oh, kiddo. And and the littlest podcaster decided to hit her head. Oh no. (laughs) We'll just say she has feelings about Elliot (laughs) Gould. But I feel kind of bad because I'm looking at my notes for this minute and uh, and not one of them has to do with Elliot Gould, honestly. No, maybe that's why she said, what are you doing? So, uh... So, feeling Jeff, this is totally cool to just walk over to someone else's...
1: What, and check the chart? I mean, I guess, because even though Frank was in there, I mean, he could honestly say, oh, you know, I was checking for post-op, or he's he specifically the chest guy, right?
0: Yeah. And the guy has
1: a chest wound.
0: Oh, I like this. So he's, not, so he's not violating HIPAA or anything, you know. HIPAA doesn't exist yet. Yeah, HIPAA that's hasn't true. existed know, yet. That's yeah, that's
1: true. And I mean, even in a place like that where there is HIPAA, everybody checks your charts because they're still going to check your chart. You get a chart, chart <laughs> checked by a thousand people.
0: That's true. I, I, <laughs> when my kid was born, he was a C-section. I was in the hospital for a while. And I'm pretty sure, I'm and this was after... Fifty-two hours of labor. I'm pretty sure I met every nurse and doctor involved in that hospital. <laughs> yeah.
1: And that's what happens, especially at a medical unit, especially in the military. After a while, it's just like you're just going to get so comfortable with everybody. It's just like, hey, we need you to come in here, and uh, you know, you're going to do whatever. Yeah, whatever. Like I don't care. Everyone in here, you're going to live with these people all the time. Like there's only so much level of privacy you can hope for. <laughs> so like, yeah, a guy looking at your chart is Wh- whatever, man. Go ahead.
0: That's fair. That's what I ran into working at camp because you live there and you work there. And I remember after I left, I was like, I can live here or I can work here, but I can't do both anymore because I'm going to lose my mind. Well,
1: and that's what happens. People literally lose their minds because they can't get away. Like these guys, if they're doing 12 hours a day of surgery, they do 12 hours of surgery and then they're at home with the exact same people they just did all that surgery with.
0: <laughs>
1: so you better find some way to decompress your mind or you're going to have a problem.
0: Yep. Yep. I've said for decades now, because I'm old, there is no one on this earth that you hate so much that you wouldn't have some, like, fun memories with if you lived with them. And there is no one on this earth that you like enough that if you live with them, at some point, you wouldn't hate them.
1: Oh, you can have your best friend in there, the person, oh, we're the sweetest person you're going to fight at some point and about and about something dumb.
0: (laughs) But you will take it very seriously in the moment. Yes
1: and it'll only be after you walk away when you're like I cannot believe I was just fighting over who was reading you know whatever book was laying around I was like no I already started reading that book no I'm reading that book insanity I mean I lived I've lived in a tent before but never one quite well first of all they only had three people in their tent at least I had eight in my tent
0: I wanna hear more about this tent sitch, because I've only seen fictional portrayals like this where there's, you know, officers and it's a few people to attend. I think it's supposed to be four. They they definitely fudge a lot. They're supposed to have a fourth person that probably. It's supposed to be four and then or like barracks where there's, you know, fifty people in a in a it looks like the longhouses at the uh, the Iroquois. The only time I've
1: done that was basic. Because that's what basic is. Basic was like 50 to a bay. Yeah, you talk about... And then that is like... You mean, privacy? What's that? Because, I mean, you have... There's only one shower. <laughs> so, it's like, hey, everybody. <laughs> that's, you know, that's six, eight weeks. That's whatever. But, yeah, the tent... I lived in two different tents. One had eight people in it. The other had six. They were the same size tent. They, were, they I think they were eight or ten man tents. I can't remember. But we would hang... Because you want to have some sort of privacy. We would hang sheets between the beds, mm. just so people weren't, like, just staring at you all the time. I mean, you, you could just be like, <laughs> like, I don't need to yeah. see your face all the time. The one with eight people in it, there was nothing in there but beds, and we had a little bit of, like, a storage area. The mm-hmm. one with six, those tents had been there for a long time, that was in Turkey, and they had, like, concrete floors, that place was like the Hilton, compared to the other one. <laughs> it had a TV in there, it had a phone line that we dug ourselves, that we Whoa. stole from somewhere else.
0: <laughs> you live in the dream right oh, yeah. there.
1: That was nice. It took us three days of digging to get that phone line in there because we had to do it at night where nobody could see it. So, I mean, that, that was that was some like that'd be like an episode of Mash of like where oh, somebody done. like all right, we I want a phone line and I know there's one at that old abandoned tent.
0: I I love and have loved my entire life in the movie Meatballs and they steal the air conditioner and then they blow the power from the whole camp. Yeah. Plug it in in their cat. Yeah.
1: And we did, we we literally had like a sitcom moment of like we spend three days digging this phone line up, reburying it so nobody would know about it. We run it all the way into our tent and what don't we have? A phone. Because you know, one thought of that. Like, oh, we're going to need a phone at some point. <laughs> oh my God. This was like before, pretty much before cell phones, and even if we had them, we wouldn't have been allowed to have them with us, because cell phones GPS your positions. But you could call on the landline, so we would call our bases, and then the base calls your home, so we would call home from there. It was good, too. It, it took us like two months before we got caught. <laughs> hey. Somebody walked in one night unexpectedly, and somebody's sitting there on like a phone like, Hi! <laughs> <laughs>
0: Do you just try and bluff your way at that point?
1: Well, it was a bad situation. Uh, It was our chief who would have been like, he's like the highest enlisted person. He walked in. Someone's on the phone, which we're not allowed to have. People were smoking in the tent, which you were not allowed to do. (laughs) And they were gambling with money on the table. You weren't allowed to gamble with real money. So he's just like, seriously, guys? Come on.
0: (laughs) did that maybe help spread it around like you can't be too bad about the phone because you're too busy also being mad about these other things well
1: he said basically what ended up happening was he's like first of all you're gonna tell everybody you have that phone so they can use it (laughs) he didn't ask where it came from which was probably good um the smoking in the tent (laughs) that was immediately outlawed he's like that is just you're gonna burn the tent down you idiots like no he's like you do he's like all you're gonna do is walk five feet outside And then with the the people who were gambling with money. He's like, "Just buy chips." He's like, "What's wrong with you?" He's like, "You're just being so lazy." So then we bought him a bottle of liquor for his for being such a wonderful understanding person. Oh.
0: <laughs>
1: but this they were they were set up differently where I was at. They have their it looks like all their tents are kind of the same where I was, there was a female tent city and a male tent city.
0: Okay. And they were
1: separated and we weren't allowed in the female tent city ever.
0: That would have uh, put quite a damper on MASH, the TV show, at least.
1: (laughs) But they could come into ours. That was okay.
0: Oh, that double standard happens at... uh, Well, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That was a big thing. The I had a friend uh, who went to a Catholic college, and they were segregated by floor, and she had... It was kind of like a bruise, but it was almost permanent. It was a scar because it had been years where she'd been up on the boys' floor and they figured out they could climb out the window and reach down to their windows (laughs) to climb, like if they knew the RA was coming. And she climbed out the window and got kind of stuck and actually bruised her leg so badly that it essentially was just, like, permanent oh. at that point. Oh. Climbing down, you know, the outside of a brick building in New Hampshire. <laughs> but yeah, it was one of those where the girls could be on their floor at certain hours, and they could never be on the girls' floor or something. It's a it's a lovely double standard we have here <laughs> in Western civilization.
1: <laughs> well, I, I mean, I think the theory behind it was, like, the female tent city was all, like, locked down. So it was, like, that's how they kept shenanigans from going on. Where, like, the male tent city, the way you kept it from going on was, like, we were, like, more heavily patrolled. Like, there was people around. And we had nothing. There was no empty tents. There was no... There was no place to hide and get up to anything.
0: No closed officers club?
1: <laughs> yeah. Who would know? I was in the enlisted section with all the other rabble.
0: <laughs> That's true. Who knows what the doctors were Oh, doing? no.
1: They, like, they were living in the tents. They were in the... They were in actual buildings.
0: In the show, I think... If I'm remembering correctly, the geography is that the... Nurse's tent and Hulaian's tent are kind of at the ru- end of rows. Yeah, cause... so that there's less to to keep an eye on. Yeah, that... it's
1: if you get you know how it is, if you give people the opportunity to get get up to something, they will. <laughs> and, even if, <laughs> and
0: even if you don't they still get <laughs> will.
1: and they'll just find it they'll find a storeroom. I mean, people are who people are.
0: Yes, yes. So speaking of people are who people are, there are a lot of people in this minute because after we get Trapper John reviewing it is the Houlihan getting a tour of the OR and meeting a bunch of people.
1: This is the most Altman minute ever.
0: Where there's, <laughs> oh, there's, really? there's
1: yelling out people's names, most of which you don't need to know. You don't care. It's like, this is Captain Murhart. Okay, like, do I know who that is? You're just throwing <laughs> hey, names at me.
0: He's Dennis, don't you remember? <laughs> he's the one who's like, I'm Dennis, remember? I, I carried your bag. Yeah, I carried <laughs> you your bag. He's so awkward. It's very sweet. Murhart, I feel kind of bad. I totally did not pick up on that. Murhart is a captain, a surgeon, up here with the big boys. Because I always think of him as being someone whose character was folded into radar.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's why he gets away with saying, "Yeah, I'm Dennis," because so he can use his first name with her. Because they're all officers.
0: Yeah. Oh, right. Well, they're they're yeah they're gonna keep going. Uh, then, <laughs> what really pisses me off is. She then gets introduced to Captain Black, and he tells her his nickname, and she laughs. like, "Okay, I, yeah. <laughs> is this going to come back later when she becomes one of the gang? Is this a little glimpse of she's career army, she's going to be driven insane, literally, by Hawkeye and Trapper John, but deep down she's not a bad person? She's not
1: bad. She's just really regimented. Mm. And a lot of her is... I think she folds in with Burns real early on, and I think that kind of colors Mm -hmm. how her outlook is.
0: At this point, she has not met Burns yet. She had never met Frank Burns, and she's just this person who... You know, is trying to salute even though (laughs) it's not appropriate. (laughs) I mean, she's... When
1: she she, gone along. She would definitely be that person who would be able to tell you every rule and regulation that there is, that doesn't necessarily make them a bad person, as long as they also know how to, like, alright, well, ease up when you need to ease up, which, you know, spoiler alert, hopefully she does that by the end of the movie. I'm like, that person's never gonna change, you just gotta back it up, back it off a little bit.
0: I thought it was funny, he says, you know, I'm Ugly John, and she's For it. I mean, she's also being introduced, which part of it might be nervousness. Well,
1: not to step on somebody's minutes later, but I know she gets mad about the Hawkeye thing later. Yeah. But it's not because the officers call him that. It's because the enlisted men call him that. That's what pisses her off.
0: Also, we're going to get into it later. I'm pretty sure at that point she is just latching onto the first thing that springs to mind. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. She's just firing off at that point.
0: Yeah, uh, but you make an excellent point because mm-hmm, I've never been in the military, so I can say middle fingers to you, Blake. Oh, it's only you, Judson? Yeah. Screw you, Judson is awesome.
1: Oh, yeah, because again, because he's an enlisted guy, so it's like, oh, oh, it's yep. only you. Oh,
0: thanks. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need to know the chief nurse. That's not going to impact your life at all. Yeah. But then we get Captain Sachs, which is my favorite because guess who this is?
1: I was trying to get up to who it is. <laughs>
0: No, it's the medical advisor! Uh, Dr. David Sachs. Known for... He has an IMDb page. Known for MASH. Filmography. Actor. One credit. MASH. (laughs) Surgeon number one uncredited. Sound department. One credit. MASH. Sound effects editor uncredited. Miss Lady's crew. One credit. MASH. Medical (laughs) 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 advisor.
1: I hope he got seven paychecks for this. (laughs)
0: Let's hope. And I'm pretty sure that sound effects is, you know, like doing ADR and layering things for the operating room to make sense. But what I really love is, uh, I've mentioned it before, Robert Altman took these OR scenes really seriously, and so he had Dr. David Sachs tell the work with the actors, be like, okay, you're a thoracic surgeon. That means in this scene, you're doing this type of operation. He would go to him and be like, Is the oct ox- is the blood the right color? Would it be oxygenated in this from this wound or whatever it is? Yeah, Sachs earned his paycheck for this one. <laughs> and he gets to be in it. And he gets to have his name. And I'm so charmed by everything.
1: <laughs> yeah. And he's
0: all business. He is all business. Sally Kellerman's trying to have a little dialogue and he's just like, Are you kidding me?
1: <laughs> he's like, I'm the only one in here who knows what they're doing.
0: you don't even know what you're doing they're doing the whole hold the surgical mask against your face thing (laughs) well maybe Mm -hmm. that's right
1: i mean (laughs) here's the way i mean if you're gonna go into the certain like they walk through it they should have put the masks on it's one thing if you're just gonna open the door to put it over your face just like hey you know how to call in for one person like hey i need to talk to the commander then you step right back out
0: they're taking a tour
1: yeah you could have put it on
0: But then we wouldn't have this this minute moment of last... I I won't skip ahead. Um, I also, for some reason, that doesn't look like Nako McCarthy to me. But it obviously is, since he introduces her. Captain Nako McCarthy. Is it weird or is it right that the nurses have the same rank as the surgeons?
1: Well, I mean, they just have one rank structure. That's it. So everybody's the same rank structure. She's a major, so obviously she's above all her captains. I think all the other nurses are captains and lieutenants.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, so the only people you're going to see for the officers are there's uh, second lieutenants, first lieutenants, and then there's captains, which is like Pierce and most of the nurses. The majors, which are just her and Burns, right? Blake is not a full colonel. He's a lieutenant colonel. That's why he also has an oak leaf. His is just silver instead of gold. Oh. But on the show, when, when Potter shows up, he's a full bird colonel. He has a bird up there. It's got, like, a bird, but, like, it's holding on to yeah, something. Yeah. So, the, oh that's how God. we refer to them as full bird kernels, because they have the bird on there. That makes,
0: that makes so, so much, much sense, sense too, to that, that oh. Potter and Blake would absolutely not have the same rank. Yeah,
1: because Potter's been around a lot longer, so.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so if they ever give them the, if they ever give his full rank, they'll say Lieutenant Colonel mm-hmm. Henry Blake, and then the majors were below him. That's why whenever he would leave or Potter would leave, one of them should yeah. be in charge. Even though I've watched many episodes where they're like, "We're just going to put Hawkeye in charge for no reason."
0: Yeah, Hawkeye <laughs> gets put in charge a lot, and I think it's just because by the time you're in the show and Frank is such a joke, nobody trusts Frank to be in. Well, and actually, even when Frank is in charge, Margaret's in charge. Yeah, it's really, Margaret's in
1: charge. I mean, the way that it really works since this is a medical unit that's self-contained it's just whoever the next highest ranking officer is you're in charge that's the way it works
0: yeah it doesn't actually have anything to do with it.
1: the only time it doesn't work is if medical's mixed in with regular troops because mm-hmm. medical people can never be in charge of non-medical people so like if I was there and I was just a regular soldier and whats his name's there you know Pierce is there he's not in charge of me because he's just medical. Because medical has a different Geneva Conventions thing. They have their own thing. Like, if they get captured, they're not POWs. They're different. Like, on our ID cards, there's a little red cross on it to let you know that you're medical.
0: Mm.
1: So you're technically... You're not a POW. You're a retained personnel. (laughs) Which, I don't know how that affects your life at all, but it's still not good.
0: I'm sure that feels so reassuring. This is such a sweet... Like, Marco, what are you doing? (laughs)
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, this is the army, so I don't know exactly what they do, but like... We don't salute indoors in the Air Force, so We wouldn't have done any of this. <laughs> you don't ever salute inside.
0: I don't think you do for Army, either. I,
1: I think the Army does, but, like, they're weird, so I don't get into their whole thing anyway. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> I mean, maybe they do. I also don't... I, I'm guessing you never would salute in a surgical theater anyway. Yeah, that's... that's
0: I, maybe Not to know. mention,
1: I, I mean, do. I don't know how they're doing it. Everyone has a standard operating procedure how they do it. Normally, the rule is they're in a war zone. You wouldn't be saluting anyway. Because if, oh, so- yeah.
0: if somebody sees
1: you salute somebody, they'll shoot the other person because they think that they're an officer.
0: <laughs> oh. And that, I've always heard that, it's it's not an urban legend, because you just said you don't do that in a war zone. But, like, that comes out of, isn't that a World War Two?
1: I don't know what it goes back to, but I know it's, it's always been what I've been what I've been taught and done was just like you just didn't there was places where you didn't salute you're back at home station you know you salute or whatever but like again I worked on the flight line we never saluted we walk right past the officers hey how you doing sir (laughs)
0: Hmm.
1: and look they don't care because you think they want to spend all day saluting people They got to salute more than enlisted people because they got to salute each other.
0: The arms are getting tired. Yeah,
1: we would walk away from each other. We at the end of the day, like a pilot just flew like a six-hour mission. He'd be walking out to go home, and we'd be walking into work. We would walk down the other way so he didn't have to walk past us and salute us. Aww. And we weren't avoiding him because, like, ooh, I don't want to salute him. It was like, listen, that guy just was flying for six hours. He's lucky if he can move his arm. He was so
0: considerate. <laughs> You know who's not considerate, Blake. <laughs> <sighs> I know. Blake's just like Fulmer. he's just like yeah, he's just
1: an absent-minded weirdo. You get a, he gets away really with though because be his isn't coming from a place of malice. He's just like a dope.
0: I love his part in the pun. Never apologize for your puns, Henry. Yeah. <laughs> if you get the chance to make a pun, you do it. So it's it's Radar and Leslie following them on this tour, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I feel like they're there because they're the two that always follow around Blake, but I want it to be for an actual reason and not suspicious to Houlihan, who just arrived here and doesn't know that Leslie and Radar are always around. <laughs> when around.
1: Well, I mean, he's got to—he's got to have his uh, his secretary and his girlfriend with.
0: Him. Oh, obviously.
1: Um, I had to slow it down and watch it a couple times because I thought that's what I saw when when she salutes or when Volmer salutes her. He salutes mm-hmm. like a Brit, not like an American.
0: Yeah, it's real. <laughs> he
1: salutes with his palm out, like, hey, we don't do that.
0: <laughs> no, not at all. He's a, he's an odd duck. He is a character that I've, I've said before, I never paid any attention to whatsoever watching this movie as a casual fan. And the minute I started it doing... The minute ha, I started this podcast, he became one of my favorite people to watch when he's in the scene. <laughs> well,
1: he's the... Not quite anti-radar, but he's the one, like, trying to do what they yeah. want, and, like, people just yeah. keep stepping in his way as he's trying to do it. He's
0: trying so hard, <laughs> and he's getting nothing back from any of these people.
1: <laughs> yeah. The officers don't care, and, like, the other enlisted guys just cut his legs out every time he tries to do something.
0: Completely and totally. And again, I, I'm i just a big old softie, apparently. <laughs> this is what I learned. I went into this podcast... Little littleness the swamp man and isn't trapper cool and hawkeye's the greatest and i still think hawkeye's the great but like man it's the little people <laughs> that keep things running and are the real heroes of this movie
1: well i, I mean this is a better representation you usually get it's cuz this is how people really are everybody's in their own world of like and that's how people act where they like they see somebody and they're like oh it's just you <laughs> <laughs> thanks
0: Well, I want to take just a quick moment to talk about, oh, it's just you. I talked about Sally Kellerman a little bit and her height and where she was at when she took this movie and that it was basically her big break. She'd been in the biz for, I think she said 14 years at that point. But I really loved, first of all, Just read her biography on IMDb. Hopefully it doesn't change by the time this airs, because I'll be really sad. Just enjoy the bias with which it is written. Both talking about her and M.A.S.H., both she and the film were a spectacular success with Sally the sole actor to earn an Oscar nomination for her marvelous work here. She shouldn't have lost but did to the overly spunky veteran Helen Hayes in Airport.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm going to I'm going to forward that to Jim O'Kane right now.
0: Yep. <laughs>
1: <laughs> He's going to take that personally.
0: Yep, Sally's monumental break came of course by director Robert Altman when he hired her for and she created a dusky voice sensation out of the aggressively irritating character Major Margaret Hollahan H- Margaret Hollahan
1: Did her agent write that in info?
0: I don't know but it is spectacular so I had to suggest that our that our listeners read that when they need um some amusement it is it is really great but I also really enjoyed, shoot, I had to go grab that, so I lost the quote section. There's a beautiful part of her talking about her nomination, because, of course, she got nominated for multiple awards for this, but the Oscars was obviously a big one, and if you want to know who designed her dress when she went to the award, she sang at it, it was a whole thing, but I, I really love her Academy Award nomination, it may sound like a cliche when someone who's up for an Academy Award says it's an honor just to be nominated, but it really is an incredible honor. Yes, it's true that the coolest thing is doing the work, being on the set, having a part you can stick your teeth into, and 5am burritos and donuts at craft services are hanging out in the makeup trailer. But being nominated is amazing because it's your peers' acknowledgement of your work. That's humbling. I love that she mentions the 5am burritos and donuts. <laughs> Sally Kellerman, don't you Ever dare change. <laughs> I love that. I, I'm i sorry. I know I read too much on this podcast. I had to read that. That just went straight to my heart. And it's funny because I'm, I'm not going to name names because I don't want to in trouble. I know someone who's worked with Sally Kellerman and they were, how do I put this nicely, less impressed. I think they were very politely trying to say that she was stoned the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> Which, when you're trying to film the scene and do lines, is maybe a little frustrating. Yeah, maybe that's why she likes five a.m. burritos and donuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, and the, the last thing I saw her in was work uh, guest appearances on Workaholics, where I bet they were all about the let's just get stoned and <laughs> see what what, what turns up on film. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think it was just a uh, not a meeting of the minds situation. I, it, it wasn't like, oh, she's terrible. But I was like, wow, well, like, I can't believe you got to work with Sally Kellerman. And they're like, yeah.
1: <laughs> That's funny, because if I see Sally Kellerman, the first thing that comes to my mind is not MASH. It is back to school. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't think we've had a back to school reference yet on this podcast. That is
1: absolutely where my mind, I've seen now, if, if I've seen MASH 50 times, I've seen that movie 200 times. <laughs> <laughs> but she would have enjoyed that because Ronnie Dangerfield was a huge pothead, so she would have liked it there. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I just, I, I I, don't know. I just, from the faces they were making, I'm going to guess that that was the deal.
1: Well, listen, if you if you listen to our coverage of Mallrats, I had one of the main actors in that. That was what everybody said about them. They said the same thing. Yeah,
0: but thing. he said it himself. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <A little different laughs> and, and that one is very obvious in the performance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Doesn't even have the excuse of, ah, it was the late 60s, early 70s. Yeah. I'm trying to think if I had any, because I didn't look up, I should have looked up pictures of her from the Academy Awards. Megan, make a note. Make a note, okay. I should find pictures of her to put on our social media when this episode airs. Luckily, we record super far in advance, so I have time to do that.
1: Oh, I wish we did that. That'd be smart. (laughs)
0: Well, <laughs> uh, well, the little's podcast right now is destroying my living room. So you know, yeah, <laughs> I, I told this. her, I told Megan, <laughs> we came up with this idea over a year before we started recording because in that year we both got pregnant, and I was just like, Megan, no, <sighs> I can't. I am tired all the time she, she discovered my tissue box and is throwing tissues everywhere
1: <laughs> see is it so she's much easier when they're out and the about
0: girl next year that's what she's practicing for oh my gosh oh my gosh yeah although you have fun with scheduling too oh, so
1: <laughs> my daughter is on my podcast like three weeks ago yelling yeah. at me about podcasts
0: <laughs> oh. oh I gotta look that up and she's like uh, how do it? you make any money on these podcasts? <laughs> I keep waiting for uh, Tom Taylor's kid to start a support group <laughs> for children of podcasters. Oh, I have to specify 1970. We want her from the, when she got nominated for MASH, right? Yes. Not other ones. Oh, that's a very 70s dress she's wearing. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, Hey, kid, out. No. <laughs> so I didn't have anything else for this minute, and I mean, really, the Sally Kellerman stuff could have happened anywhere, but I just thought... This was a nice... It, technically, we met her two minutes ago, but we didn't really get to know... You're, you're getting a little bit more of her personality here. And so far, she seems totally chill.
1: Well, and this is... But this is your first day at the work job thing, where you're just, like, you're putting on the good face. Hey,
0: everybody! It's nice to meet you. <laughs> oh, you, you've you got a funny nickname. You're funny nickname guy. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. I'm sure everything will be great.
1: Oh, yeah. She'll integrate perfectly.
0: <laughs> This is boding so well. <laughs> Jeff, I cannot let you leave this minute though. I'm gonna drag you back tomorrow. I hope it's okay. But I cannot leave you. We le- let you leave a minute without plugging a new podcast. So.
1: <laughs> All right, I, I will plug uh, my last, but was actually my first podcast. Was uh, Slycast, the Sylvester Stallone podcast, where we do Sylvester Stallone movies one at one at a time, one movie at a time. Let me stress that. Howard. Well, and we started out doing more. (laughs) The first couple episodes, we did like three or four at once, and we were like, this is not sustainable. (laughs) But then we realized, we started doing a bunch. We did about two years straight. We got up to like the early 90s, and then everyone got very, very busy. The guy, one guy we had on the show is a um, Stallone impersonator, and he got like for real famous. So he's out in, he might be back now, but he was out in California because he has a movie called The Pretender about him. Oh! Yeah.
0: I know that. What? Yeah,
1: that's Mike Kundi's on my podcast. <laughs> it's all about him trying to be just like Rocky. He does a Rocky tour in Philly. It's amazing. Wow. And then one guy moved to Vegas, and then I still had my other podcast. So it's just like, hey, guys, we're never going to do this again, are
0: we? Like, Special meetup episode. Well,
1: occasionally we throw the JV guys in there, like Ryan Rabalkin and Doug Greenberg from uh, Rocky Minute. We let them run some episodes. <laughs> we let the you let the little guys in there.
0: Oh, it's only you, Judson.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's only you, Greenberg. <laughs>
0: Oh, I'm not going to forward it to him. So, you no, know, here's here what happens.
1: To... This always yeah. happens. If you ever say something on a podcast about somebody, you'll forget about it. And it'll be like four months later, the podcast episode will air and the person will listen to it. And you'll get the text message like, oh, I heard what you said. And you're like, I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> listen, especially on my podcast, I say a lot of things about a lot of people.
0: I do that to Christy Porter. <laughs> all the time, because I have one of those obnoxious, me- like, I remember everything, and so we'll be having a conversation, I'll make a joke about it, it'll air on a podcast weeks later, and she'll and get put on the spot, like, oh, do you remember that? And she's just like, I don't know what she's talking about. <laughs> like, we had a whole conversation! And she goes, I got, I got nothing in the moment. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's mostly my co-host. My co-host is definitely my whipping boy. Like, oh. I, def- I attack Chris all the time.
0: Well, we're just all a bunch of great Co- colleagues here, co-workers. Well, what would you say in this operating room? Because I think he's Blake is trying. Yeah.
1: Blake, Blake is doing what he can. Blake is limited by the fact that he's a goofball.
0: Wait a second. Blake is actually doing his job in this minute. I mean, he's doing what he's supposed to. Because... He
1: is showing her around. So
0: Yeah. Just, you know, in his Blake way. <laughs> <laughs> Last minute we had the Frank Burns way, now we have the Henry Blake way. <laughs> So we are going to continue. And for those who are listening, who know how I invite guests on the show, because I don't just, if I don't just do it by week, I've been kind of popping things up. You may be saying like, this makes no sense, but Holohan was introduced. Then we went to the OR. Now we're back from the OR with Holohan. Perhaps everything will collide in minute 31. Ooh, perhaps I am a little bit smart there. Oh. <sighs>